The following is my conversation with Sam Harris about the concept of the Vulgate. If you're not familiar with the Vulgate, be sure to check out my previous episode with him about the Kalam cosmological argument. It's an incorporated, edibly interesting, and thought-provoking discussion that I think you'll enjoy. Without further ado, we're brought to you today by Chessel's Enfranchisement. They help ensure your right to vote by providing you with the information and support you need to make informed decisions. Learn more at chesselsenfranchisement.com. Enjoy, enjoy. Sam, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Lex. So, Sam, for those who aren't familiar with the concept, can you give us a brief rundown of what the Vulgate is? Sure. So the Vulgate is essentially a revision of the Latin Vulgate Bible that was created in the 4th century AD, and is primarily notable for being the source of many Protestant translations of the Bible into vernacular languages throughout the Middle Ages and into the Renaissance period. And why was this revision made? Well, it came about as a response to the growing influence of Rome and Christian Europe and the resulting need for professing Christians to be able to read and understand Latin texts. So by creating a revised version of the Latin Bible, they were able to make it more accessible to a wider audience. Okay, so given that it's primarily associated with Protestant translations, what practical applications can we find for it today? Well, I think one main practical application is that it provides insight into the historical context within which these translations were made. For example, we can learn a lot about how Protestant reformers interpreted biblical passages by looking at how they translated them into vernacular languages. Excellent point, Sam. And I think that what you've just mentioned about how Protestant reformers interpreted biblical passages is something that would be particularly relevant to our discussion today about the Vulgate and its relation to Callum cosmological argument. So could you please elaborate on that? Sure. So in short, I think that the Callum cosmological argument is based on two premises. One, that everything must have a cause. And two, that this cause must be God. But according to some Muslims, these premises are invalid because they believe that there is evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator. So in order to refute this argument, some Muslims have attempted to argue that perhaps things do have a cause after all. In this case, the, in this case, the Koranaks claim that the cause of everything is the same as the cause of everything else, which is God. But they argue that because we don't understand everything about God yet, we can't say for certain that he actually exists. This is where the concept of the Vulgate comes in. It allows Muslims to interpret biblical passages in a way that preserves their belief in God's existence while still accepting scientific evidence as valid. Okay, so I see where you're heading with this. And from what you've said, I think it would make sense to argue that insofar as there's scientific evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator. Mm -hmm. And as long as we don't understand everything about God yet, then Perhaps God does indeed exist, and we can deduce this from Scripture. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely do. I think Scripture definitely supports an idea like this, insofar as it, so far as it speaks about things in terms of principles rather than details or specifics. For example, when discussing creation in Scripture, we often see phrases like the heavens and earth were created rather than specifying exactly what was created or when it was created or when it was created. This type of language suggests that creation is something that took place at some point in time but isn't limited to one specific moment or event. And from there, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe God does exist and we can deduce this from Scripture rather than relying on empirical evidence alone. That makes sense, Sam. And I think that it's interesting to note that uh, a lot of Christians who believe in the cosmological argument would likely agree with what you've said. Absolutely. 
I think that there's a growing realization among Christian believers that while empirical evidence can be helpful in establishing certain truths, it's not the only thing that matters when it comes to understanding the Creator God. That's definitely true. Yeah. And I think that it's worth noting that this is something that uh, a lot of Muslims are starting to realize as well. Mm -hmm. So in light of that, do you have any final thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that while the Vulgate may be primarily associated with Protestant translations, it's still an important resource for anyone looking to learn more about biblical interpretation. In particular, I think it's worth paying attention to how Scripture is interpreted within the context of its historical and religious context. Excellent point, Sam. And I think that what you've just mentioned about how Protestant reformers interpreted biblical passages is something that would be particularly relevant to our discussion today about the Vulgate and its relation to column cosmological argument. So could you please elaborate on that? Sure. So in short, I think that the Kalam cosmological argument is based on two premises. One, that everything must have a cause. And two, that this cause must be God. But according to some Muslims, these premises are invalid because they believe that there is evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator. So in order to refute this argument, some Muslims have attempted to argue that perhaps things do have a cause after all. In this case, the Koranaks claim that the cause of everything is the same as the cause of everything else, which is God. But they argue that because we don't understand everything about God yet, we can't say for certain that he actually exists. This is where the concept of the Vulgate comes in. It allows Muslims to interpret biblical passages in a way that preserves their belief in God's existence while still accepting scientific evidence as valid. Okay, so I see where you're heading with this. And from what you've said, I think it would make sense to argue that insofar as there is scientific evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator, and as long as we don't understand everything about God yet, then perhaps God does indeed exist, and we can deduce this from Scripture. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely do. I, scripture definitely supports an idea like this insofar as it speaks about things in terms of principles rather than details or specifics. For example, when discussing creation in Scripture, we often see phrases like the heavens and earth were created, rather than specifying exactly what was created or when it was created or when it was created. This type of language suggests that creation is something that took place at some point in time but isn't limited to one specific moment or event. And from there, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe God does exist and we can deduce this from Scripture rather than relying on empirical evidence alone. That makes sense, Sam. And I think that it's interesting to note that a lot of Christians who believe in the Kalam cosmological argument would likely agree with what you've said. Absolutely. I think that there's a growing realization among Christian believers that while empirical evidence can be helpful in establishing certain truths, it's not the only thing that matters when it comes to understanding the Creator God. That's definitely true. And I think that it's worth noting that this is something that a lot of Muslims are starting to realize as well. So in light of that, do you have any final thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that while the Vulgate may be primarily associated with Protestant translations, it's still an important resource for anyone looking to learn more about biblical interpretation. And in particular, I think it's worth paying attention to how Scripture is interpreted within the context of its historical and religious context. Excellent point, Sam. And I think that what you've just mentioned about how Protestant reformers interpreted biblical passages is something that would be particularly relevant to our discussion today about the Vulgate and its relation to Calum cosmological argument. So could you please elaborate on that? Sure. So in short, I think that the 
Cologne cosmological argument is based on two premises. One, that everything must have a cause, and uh, two, that this cause must be God. But according to some Muslims, these premises are invalid because they believe that there is evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator. So in order to refute this argument, some Muslims have attempted to argue that perhaps things do have a cause after all. In this case, the Quranics claim that the cause of everything is the same as the cause of everything else, which is God. But they argue that because we don't understand everything about God yet, we can't say for certain that he actually exists. This is where the concept of the Vulgate comes in. It allows Muslims to interpret biblical passages in a way that preserves their belief in God's existence while still accepting scientific evidence as valid. Okay, so I see where you're heading with this. And from what you've said, I think it would make sense to argue that insofar as there is scientific evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator, and as long as we don't understand everything about God yet, then perhaps God does indeed exist and we can deduce this from Scripture. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely do. I think Scripture definitely supports an idea like this in software as it speaks about things in terms of principles rather than details or specifics. For example, when discussing creation in Scripture, we often see phrases like the heavens and earth were created rather than specifying exactly what was created or when it was created or when it was created. This type of language suggests that creation is something that took place at some point in time but isn't limited to one specific moment or event. And from there, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe God does exist and we can deduce this from Scripture rather than relying on empirical evidence alone. That makes sense, Sam. And I think that it's interesting to know that a lot of Christians who believe in the Kalem cosmological argument would likely agree with what you've said. Absolutely. I, I think that there's a growing realization among Christian believers that while empirical evidence can be helpful in establishing certain truths, it's not the only thing that matters when it comes to understanding the Creator God. That's definitely true. And uh, I think that it's worth noting that this is something that a lot of Muslims are starting to realize as well. Mm -hmm. So in light of that, do you have any final thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that while the Vulgate may be primarily associated with Protestant translations, it's still an important resource for anyone looking to learn more about biblical interpretation. And in particular, I think it's worth paying attention to how Scripture is interpreted within the context of its historical and religious context. Excellent points. Um, and I think that what you've just mentioned about how Protestant reformers interpreted biblical passages is something that would be particularly relevant to our discussion today about the Vulgate and its relation to Calum cosmological argument. So could you please elaborate on that? Sure. So in short, I think that the Kalam cosmological argument is based on two premises. One, that everything must have a cause, and two, that this cause must be God. But according to some Muslims, these premises are invalid because they believe that there is evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator. So in order to refute this argument, some Muslims have attempted to argue that perhaps things do have a cause after all. In this case, the core, the core of everything is the same as the cause of everything is the same as the cause of everything else, which is God. But they argue that because we don't understand everything about God yet, we can't say for certain that he actually exists. This is where the concept of the Vulgate comes in. It allows Muslims to interpret biblical passages in a way that preserves their belief in God's existence while still accepting scientific evidence as valid. Okay, so I see where you're heading with this. And from what you've said, I think it would make sense to argue that as far as there is scientific evidence that suggests things could exist without any cause or creator, as long as we don't understand everything about God yet. And as long as we don't understand everything about God yet, then 
perhaps God does indeed exist and we can deduce this from Scripture. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely do. I think Scripture definitely supports an idea like this insofar as it speaks about things in terms of principles rather than details or specifics. For example, when discussing creation in Scripture, we often see phrases like the heavens and earth were created rather than specifying exactly what was created or when it was created or when it was created. This type of language suggests that creation is something that took place at some point in time but isn't limited to one specific moment or event. And from there, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe God does exist and we can deduce this from Scripture rather than relying on empirical evidence alone. That makes sense, Sam. And I think that it's interesting to note that a lot of Christians who believe in the calm cosmological argument would likely agree with what you've said. Absolutely. I think that there's a growing realization among Christian believers that while empirical evidence can be helpful in establishing certain truths, it's not the only thing that matters when it comes to understanding the Creator God. That's definitely true. And I think that it's worth noting that this is something that a lot of Muslims are starting to realize as well. So in light of that, do you have any final thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's important to remember that while the Vulgate may be primarily associated with Protestant translations, it's still an important resource for anyone looking to learn more about biblical interpretation. And in particular, I, I think it's worth paying attention to how Scripture is interpreted within the context of its historical and religious context. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Thank you for coming on the show, Sam. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Lexman's Artificial Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Sam Harris about the concept of the Vulgate. As you may know, the Vulgate is a translation device that was used primarily by Protestants, but which still has relevance for anyone looking to learn more about biblical interpretation. We discussed how scripture is interpreted within the context of its historical and religious context, and I think it would make sense for Christians who believe in the Kalam cosmological argument to agree with what Sam said. So make sure to check back next time for another episode of the Lexman Artificial Podcast. Sam Harris will read a poem for us called Montaigne. Montaigne by Michael de Montaigne.